So let me ask you a question. How many of y'all have ever had someone say to you, I have some good news for you and I have some bad news for you? And how many of y'all would say, I would rather hear the bad news first? Yeah, I think most would rather hear the bad news first. How many would say the good news first? That's crazy. Well, no, I'm just kidding. But I just, here's the other thing I've heard someone say before. I've got some good news for you, and then I've got some great news for you. So I just want you to know, I've got some good news that's called the gospel. And I've got some great news for the people that will accept it. Because the gospel is only great if you accept it. If you don't accept it, it can be good. It's always going to be good, but you've got to accept it. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. Um, I just want you to know that, uh, well, I think before I even start, I think I just need to pray first. Lord God, I just want to ask you, God, to speak through me over this hard subject that we're dealing with, these hard subjects that we're dealing with today. It's nothing new to you, Lord. It's been going on for centuries. But because of what I've heard over the last couple months from friends all around the country, you told me to speak about it, and Lord, I'm going to. I just pray that you'd give me the words to speak tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. So tonight, I, I just, the Lord gave me this, the good news and the bad news. There's good news and there's bad news. And this all came out of, over the last probably four months, I've had phone calls, I've got some text messages from friends, and I've spoke to friends personally about I mean, these are godly people that I've been talking to, Christians that I've been talking to, different churches, different states, Christian people that are hurting because their children have made bad decisions to live different lifestyles, to get into drugs. Many of us in here in this church have been touched by that. I don't know hardly any families that haven't been touched by something like that in their family. If you have not, praise God. I mean, if you don't know a cousin, an aunt, an uncle, you don't know somebody that hadn't gone through all this, then I would just give God praise right now because it's all over the country. And it's being people are being touched by this constantly. And I've heard these stories from these strong, strong Christians and it has just broken their hearts. Unfortunately, the kids don't care that they've broken the hearts of their Christian parents because it's a selfish thing to get into all these different things that they get into. You know, Pastor Mark preached a message on the Beatitudes several weeks ago, and I just want to bring up two of them for parents and grandparents that are in here that are hurting that have people that are living the wrong kind of lifestyle, maybe your child, maybe a niece, a nephew, or anyone. I just want to say this first off before we even start what I want to talk about. It says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. It doesn't say you might be. Blessed are those who mourn, 
And these friends of mine are mourning and hurting. And therefore, I do too. And so do many of you church members here that pray over your friends that you know are hurting over these things. And so, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. So we're going to look at the good and bad news. And, and I just want you to keep those two scriptures right there in mind. Blessed those who mourn, you'll be comforted. Blessed are those who are merciful, you'll find mercy. That's, that's powerful stuff. So just kind of a, kind of a short recap. Just from, let's just go back to the beginning. Let's go back to Genesis. Let's talk about some good news. You can smile now. Let's talk about some good news, okay? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's good news for us. He created the heavens and the earth. And, in, and on day six, he created mankind, male and female. I praise God for my wife. Male and female, that they would, the father would, or the husband would leave his mother and father Go to his wife, cling to his wife, and they will become one. That's the good news. That's great news. And then came the fall. That's bad news. Eve ate the fruit. Adam, her husband, who was supposed to be over her and guiding her, watched her eat it. And then he ate it. And sin came into the world. That is horrible news for all of us sitting in this church. And every, every person on the face of this earth, sin came into the world. That was terrible news. But that didn't stop. I mean, just right after that, Cain kills his younger brother, Abel, murders him. So murder starts. That's some bad news. By the way, we have that all over our country. And it's never stopped. All you got to do is start in the Old Testament. You'll, you'll read about murder right and left and, sex, and sexual immorality and all those things. So, just think about this. We open up our Bible. We read chapter 1. We read chapter 2. We read chapter 3. We read chapter 4. We read chapter 5. We get to chapter 6, and God's going to destroy the world. That's how bad it got. That's the bad news. The good news is when you turn your Bibles to uh, chapter 6, verse 8 through 10. Here's some key words that we need to get tonight. Noah was a righteous man. Think about that. Genesis chapter 6, 8 through 10. Noah was righteous. God found a righteous guy on the whole face of this earth, none but one. He doesn't even really say that Noah's wife is righteous, that his kids are righteous. It says that Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Think about that. The whole entire earth is sinful, and he walked among them blameless and faithful to God. But God followed through, the bad news. The good news is he saved Noah 
in his family, and they were able to have kids and fulfill the earth again with with humanity. He could have said, that's it. But the good news is he didn't, or we wouldn't be sitting here. So Noah was a righteous man, and I, I just want to tell you, keep that in mind, the righteous man and blameless. And after the flood, after the flood, God made a covenant that he would never flood the earth again and kill mankind. Made a covenant with Noah. This will never happen again. I will never flood the earth and wipe out everything. And then to seal that covenant, he made a rainbow. And that rainbow has been turned into a sign against God. But that's nothing new. We're going to talk about that in a minute. That, that's nothing new that people turn against God because we're all born, born into sin, all of us. But he makes this rainbow. And then you got to talk about Moses. Moses leads these people all these years, and then at the end of Moses' life, he tells all this stuff. He says, if you obey God, if we will obey the commands and we'll obey the teachings of God and we will follow God wholeheartedly, we will be blessed And then he says, if we don't obey God, here's the bad news, we'll be cursed. So throughout the Old Testament, we see this, guys, over and over again. It plays out throughout the Old Testament when you read it. Israel does well, they're following God, they're obeying God, and good news happens, and they're blessed as a people. They turn from God, and they're cursed. Where does America fit in that? Well, I'm just going to tell you this. Back in Noah's day, he was the only one. But I'm sitting in a church of people that love the Lord. And there's a lot of people in this country still and around the world that love God. If that wasn't true, none of us would be here. Our goal is to rise up and get to the blameless place and get to the holy place. Not that we're that great, but holy means set apart. And that's what God's calling us. As we go out this door and we speak to people on the streets and we go speak to cashiers and we go to restaurants and we talk to waitresses, we're set apart. And when people see that, they'll know it. When they watch what you do, When my grandchildren watch what I do, and when your grandchildren watch what you do, and your children watch what you do, they can reach that level of holiness. Not that they won't sin, but they will be set apart. And that's what we're working for. But I want to turn now to the New Testament for a minute. The bad news, the good news, the bad news. Hey, listen, I got some good news for you. It's really good news. John chapter 3. I know you guys don't know this one, but it's John 3.16. And if you don't know it, come talk to me. We'll we'll talk about it. John 3.16. So, I could read it up there so I don't have to turn all these pages, but we all know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
That's good news. John 3, 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's good news. You want to hear some bad news? Let's turn to the next verse. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. That quick, from John 3, 16 and 17, we go to the bad. Those who do not believe. Well, I want you to know, we're here as believers and we've got to go out and reach the ones that don't believe. That's what we're called to do in Matthew 28. That's what we're called to do in Acts chapter 1. Listen, good news, bad news. When Christians decide that I'm seeing people walking in the bad news, we should mourn. Like I said earlier, we should mourn for those people. We should witness to those people. And sometimes witnessing means we should hug those people. Let's go back to a little more bad news. Well, let's go to this. Chapter 3, verse 5 through 8. John 3. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, who snuck over there at night. He's a Pharisee. He's a religious leader. He sits on a ruling council. This guy is up there. He is a top-of-the-line Jew. And he has to sneak over there at night because he doesn't want his buddies to find out that he's talking to Jesus. And I just want you to know, I used to sneak around and not tell my buddies when I first got saved. And they're like, you know, what's wrong with you, man? Uh, I'm trying to be a better person. <laughs> yeah, we, we've noticed you hadn't been cussing lately. Well, I'm just trying to be good, you know, sneak around, you know. Well, he sneaks over at night, and Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, no one, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. And he tells Nicodemus, You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. Listen, there are complete denominations in America that don't teach that. I know, I grew up in one. They don't teach being born again? Well, let's see. If you'll just do this and this and this and this, and you'll do this and this and this, you're in. I remember going to classes for three years in the denomination I was in. And that made me a member of the church. That didn't make me a member of heaven. The Bible says you must be born again. That's a hard teaching to some. It was a hard teaching to my parents. The good news is, is Jesus saves. And here's, here's what I know about being born again in my own life. It changed my whole life. I'm not the same man that I was before I was born again. The old is gone and the new has come. And that's Christianity in a nutshell. The old life goes away, the new life comes. You're born again. 
Christians are born twice, die once. Non-Christians born once, die twice. We should mourn. That should hurt when we have friends that have never gone through that, a life change, haven't had a new life. They're still living that old one. We should mourn for that. Let's look at Matthew, Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. These are all familiar with you, but it says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. So this is Jesus. He tells you what to do. Enter through the narrow gate. But small, go ahead, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. When I read that, I'm like, a few? Well, if there's 8 billion people in the world, a few could be millions, but in percentage-wise, it's still a few. Because most of, most of the world will not enter through that narrow gate. But our job is to bring as many with us as we can. There are so many people right now that are friends of mine that I've talked to whose children and grandchildren are on the wide road to destruction. And they're broken over it. I mean completely broken over it. Two of them are pastor friends of mine. And their daughters decided to, and got in college and decided to live with their boyfriends. Even though they've been taught from this, this way all the way up what adultery is, now they're living with their boyfriends. And some of them have been sleeping around with more than one man all through college. So the cause, here's the deal. There is righteousness and there's unrighteousness, holiness and sinfulness. Here's the thing. Righteousness, I'll just go say this. I guess I'm getting tired of it myself, but there's such a fight in our country, the Democrats versus the Republicans. There's such a fight, the left, the right. Is the right right? I don't know, they're sinful too. But the, there's the left, there's the right. There's, we hear this stuff all the time. I hear, I hear stuff like charismatic Christians. I don't see that in the Bible. What I see in the Bible is full of the spirit people, spirit-filled people. Oh, no, that's charismatic. We can throw out all the words because it comes down to righteousness and unrighteousness, holiness and unholiness. It's not about the, it's the, what's going on in our country right now is not Democrats, Republicans, and it's not left, right. Uh, it, it's not that. The battle that we're facing is against right and wrong. The battle we're facing is righteousness and unrighteousness, holiness against the unholy. That's what the battle is, and it's spiritual. 
The problem is that most of the people that we hear about, we hear all this junk on the news and we go, oh, that person, I, you know, I hate that person. Well, we got to get over that. I'll tell you why here in a minute. I want to get into right now, if you'll turn to Romans chapter one. And I'll just go ahead and say it. It's tough. Most of you probably read this. I've read it many times. But Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 18. First of all, I love the fact that Paul's not ashamed of the gospel, he says. In Romans chapter 1, 16. I am not ashamed of the gospel, and here's why. Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First the Jew, and then the Gentile. For the gospel, listen, for in the gospel... You'll hear the word. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteousness will live by faith. Three times, righteousness. 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 And then he goes into this in chapter uh, 1, verse 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth. Now listen, this is 2,000 years ago. And it just kind of matches what we're seeing around the world. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. I'll stop right there for just a second. I'm on an airplane and... Who, does, who sits down next to me, an atheist? And he asked me what I'm doing. And I said, well, I'm going up to Ohio and I'm going to be speaking to teenagers. He goes, oh, what are you going to be speaking about? And I said, God, the Bible and everything. He goes, oh, you're going to lie to him, huh? And I said, oh, so you're not a Christian? He said, no, sir, I'm an atheist. I said, I don't believe it. Hey, what? I said, I don't believe you're an atheist. He said, what do you mean by that? I said, have you ever read Romans chapter 1? <laughs> All men are without excuse. Anyway, I won't get into the whole conversation, but by the time I left, he at least respected me. Now, I respected him. I pray to God that he gets saved. He didn't on that trip, but I pray he does. But it says all people are without excuse. All we have to do is look at creation. Just look at the created eyeball. Look how the body works. I cut my finger. Two days later, it's healed. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings, birds, animals, and reptiles. So they make all these idols and they do all this stuff and... It's kind of like the Mercedes-Benz that, that my son-in-law has. No, I'm just kidding, Alex. Just joking. It's not an idol. It stays in the garage anyway. Anyway, listen. He goes on and he says this, and I just want you to sit back and listen to this. Therefore, 
God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity. For degrading of their bodies with one another, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and they worshiped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to their shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural relationships for unnatural ones. In the same way, men also abandoned natural relationships with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty of their error. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceitful, malice. They're gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decrees that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these things, these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Now, I say this, I want to say a couple things. First of all, that's what one of my friends brought up to me. Even though my kids know this stuff, they know about this kind of sin, they do it anyway, and they get their friends to do it anyway. I've said before in this church that when I started drinking, I made a lot of money, and I I didn't want to drink alone, so I bought all the alcohol for my friends. Is that a bigger sin than what we just talked about? Sin, sin. Sin is sin. But here, I believe in my heart that Paul brings up homosexuality because that's what he's seeing right in his face. He's in these cities that this is what's going on, and he sees it. So do we. You know, we, we've got the LGBTQ pushing all this stuff. But think about it. Nothing's changed under the sun. Think about this. We can talk about the LGBTQ, but let's look at Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, Abraham begged God not to wipe out Sodom and Gomorrah. And, oh, if there's this many people righteous, well, you can He went through this whole deal. And then two angels go to Lot's house and Lot recognizes that they are, and he brings them in. And the Bible says that all the men of the city, all the men of the city, young and old, came to Lot's house and demanded that they have sex with those two visitors. And Lot was so distraught about it, he was going to give them his daughters instead because he knew who they were, and he knew they were from God. And we, we get so upset about all these things that are going on in our country, but it's been going on for thousands of years. And God wiped out Sodom and Gomorrah and, and some other cities that were around them. But do people learn? Here's the question I've got to ask. Can these 
people that are doing all these things that, that my friends are so hurt about. I mean, these guys, I talked to guys and women over the last four months whose kids are doing the things I mentioned and other things that we can mention that are not everybody knows about. And they are so broken. And when you have your kid tell you they want you to come to their marriage against someone that's the same sex, and I got parents ask me, well, should I do that? I go, no. You can't, you can't support it, but you can love your kids. You've got to love your kids. They'll never come back. I could, read, I could read 1 Corinthians 6, 9, 11. I could read Galatians 5, 19, 21. I could read Ephesians 5, 3, 7. I could read Revelation 22, 12, 15. I could read all that, and it talks about the same stuff. It talks about sexual immorality. It talks about homosexuality. It talks about greed. It talks about lying, cheating, stealing. It talks about all those things. And it says that no one will go to heaven that lives like this without repentance. Listen, repentance is free for anybody. But I cannot tell you how many kids that I witness to that don't know the truth of this word. They don't know the truth of the word. They've never been in church. Most of them don't have moms and dads at home, or most of them don't have dads at home. We've got to be the people to go out and speak. Don't be afraid of teenagers. They actually respect adults that talk to them. For the most part, in Texas, I know, where I've gone in Texas. Even in Ohio, they, they respect the fact that somebody's talking to them. I want to skip a couple things real quick because I think this is, this is important. I just want you to think about this for a minute. Almost everybody in here has heard the story of the prodigal son. I'm just going to paraphrase this for a minute. Luke 15. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to the father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. I just want to change that for a minute. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one decided to be gay. Is the father still going to be waiting for him when he comes back home? Here's what happens to the prodigal son. He came to his senses. After he had squandered everything, he came to his senses. And it says he rose up and went back to the father. He rose up and went back to the father. Our job is to pray for the lost son. Our job is to pray for the lost daughter. There was a man who had two daughters. The younger one got pregnant out of wedlock. And the father kicked her out of the house. No, he didn't. God, the father wouldn't do that. They're allowed in the house. They're allowed in this house. Is there anything that God won't forgive. 
Is there anything in our hearts right here in this room that we can't forgive our kids or our nieces or our nephews or our fathers and mothers? Is there anything? Is the son that stayed at home and didn't live that kind of lifestyle better than the other one in God's eyes? These are things we got to figure out in our heart, y'all. I'm going to ask Robin to come up here for a second. A couple weeks ago, if many of you don't know this, but on Thursday nights, we pray at the, on the plaza. On Thursday nights, a whole group of us from our church, we pray on the plaza. And we pray over our city. We pray over our schools. We pray over our nation, our leaders. We pray over anything you can think of. And the last couple weeks, man, I've been distracted. Everybody's praying, and I've been distracted. I guess it's because I have hearing aids that pick up louder noise than, I don't know. But I, I hear kids playing on the plaza. And, and so I kind of start paying attention to them. Well, a couple weeks ago, two boys came up with a football. Well, you know, I had to throw football because that's who I am. And so I got the football, started throwing with this guy. My first three passes were went... 10 yards behind him or 10 yards in front of him. I finally got it down. But anyway, I got warmed up. Then I called him over to me and I said, hey guys, can I talk to you for a minute? And we started talking, asking him if they went to church. Talked to him a little bit. Then I said, hold on a minute, I got something I want to do. So I went out to my car and I got these Bibles. Can y'all see that? You know some of them. So See these red, these different color tabs on these Bibles? Okay, I went out and got these Bibles and I, I, brought, uh, I brought Robin out there because I needed her because I needed her to talk to the boys to let them know what time our church services are and what time the youth meet and all that. So we brought these Bibles out there, and, and we went through this Bible, and I actually had them read them. We have these wristbands that are the same colors, and they have scriptures on them. And the scriptures on these wristbands match these tabs on the Bible. And so I had them open up the Bible, and I'll let Robin... Just read. There's a verse, when you open up the tab, there's a verse that's highlighted. So what's that first one say? Uh, maybe if I can see it. <laughs> For all have sinned and uh, fall short of the glory of God. So all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then I explain to him, do you know what sin is? And we talk about it. And then I have him open up the second one, the black one. You want me to read it or can you read it? <laughs> The black one says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so then I ask him, do you know what a wage is? Not a wedgie, a wage. Okay, do you know what a wage is? And they'll tell you, you know, yeah, that's something you earn, right? Well, what we earn for sin is death. And so then we open up the next tab, which is red. And it says... The, but God demonstrated his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then a lot of times I'll just put my little testimony in there. I used to be a sinner. 
I used to drink a lot. I used to do this. But see, even while I was doing that, Christ had already died for me, waiting for me to give my life to him. Waiting, waiting for me. Then we go to the next one, tab four. And it says, it's for, it's for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of your own, even if it is a gift from God, not as a result of work so that no one can boast. And then I explain that to them. And I've talked to a lot of kids from a different denomination that think that works get you to heaven. I'm a good person. I walked a little old lady across the street 10 times. What's the deal? But then you explain to them, it's not about works. It's about faith. And so we read that. And what's cool, what's cool is these boys read these. See, by reading them, it's sinking in their heart. By me reading them, it won't sink into their heart. But they read these. And it says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth the person confesses, resulting in salvation. And when I get done reading that, I ask them, have you ever made that confession? And if they say no, I say, would you like to do that today? That's how easy it is to witness to someone. And Robin was out there, and uh, the girl from Austria was out there, and she was reading through it too. And so that was on Thursday. The next Wednesday, one of them showed up here at, first, at Grace Church. And Jonathan came out and, and told me that he showed up. Listen, that's what it takes. And we have, to, we have to go out, folks, and we got to witness to these kids and these people that are living lifestyles that we, we cannot disrespect. And I, I want to read one more thing that I, I skipped over, but I probably shouldn't have, but... You know, we, we just read Romans chapter 1, and we talked about the sin. We talked about all these sins, but listen to me. Romans chapter 2 starts out, Paul gets done with talking all this about God-haters, slanderers, arrogant, boastful, evil, homosexual, and then he says this in Romans chapter 2, you therefore have no excuse. Whoa, what? You have no excuse who pass judgment on someone else for at whatever point you judge another, you are going to condemn yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Listen, folks. Pastor Marks even brought this up as well. The woman that got thrown down on the ground caught in the act of adultery, what did Jesus say? Cast the first stone, right, if you don't have any sin. We can't cast stones. We can't judge. We just got a witness. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this time together. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of the gospel, the good news, God. Thank you for what you've given us on the cross, the sacrifice you gave us, God, with your son on that cross, the good news of the gospel that can save anyone at any time, no matter what. They just need to accept it. And God, we thank you for that. That's great news when they do, Lord. And we just thank you for that. Thank you for this church, God. 
that preaches truth. Thank you for this church that is, has members that love each other like this and that go out and speak truth to others. God, we just thank you for that. God, help us rise up even more. Thank you for Jesus Christ. He is the only one. In Jesus' name, amen.